0: i'm not a woman for one um so that is why don't we get into the movie (laughs) welcome to ruckatopia a happy home for recommended movies shows and music from two people you can definitely trust trustability varies by region no guarantees implied now here are your hosts aaron dicer and jeremy scott so i'm gonna ask you some questions they can be really personal and all you have to do is answer either never rarely sometimes or always hello Everybody. this is Recotopia, episode 79. I'm Jeremy Scott. And I'm Aaron Dicer. Ooh, you should copyright that like the guy who says, let's get <laughs> ready to tumble. Um, see, I said tumble so I wouldn't get sued. So you wouldn't get uh, sued. Very nicely done. You want to get sued. Uh, welcome to the chat, everybody who is watching us record and broadcast live. Some are listening live and not able to watch because they are driving. We appreciate your presence and your input. And today's big recommend is never, rarely, sometimes, always. Going to be my last heavy movie for a while that I recommend. Um, (laughs) I've been putting you guys through the ringer for the last couple of months for the most part. Before we get into the big recommend, Aaron, do you have any small recommends today? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I came up with a couple of those. Uh, Let us start with a movie uh, called Suzume. Um, So there was, I'm not necessarily an, an anime guy. Like I'm not into a lot of the anime shows or anything like that. But I came across a movie called Your Name a while back, and it was one of my favorites of that year. Well, this is the same person who did Your Name, uh, and it follows a, uh, a couple young people as they figure out their connection to this portal between worlds and uh, what that means for them and their lives. Big ideas, lots of interesting uh, animation. It's a really beautiful movie to watch. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So if that's something, if you don't mind subtitles, uh, I don't know if there's a dubbed version. Uh, I watched the, the subbed version. Mm. Um, but, uh, but if you don't mind subtitles, uh, and are interested in, Amazing animation and interesting world building. uh, Then Suzume uh, might be for. Where did you you. find this movie? Is it in theaters? I got a screener. Oh, Um, so (laughs) so uh, I actually this is possibly one of those frustrating recommends where I'm not sure you can find it yet, but. Let me plant the seed and when you can. It definitely played in many theaters and is probably on its way to streaming uh, at some I point see. soon. So. All right. Well, if
0: so, you're going to yeah. screener for it, then it's probably going to be publicly available at some point. Somewhere. Yes, I would imagine so. I will add it to my. And I could be wrong. Figure. It might be on like Crunchyroll or
1: something. I I like, I don't keep up with like a lot of the anime uh, streamers, So, um, but I didn't see it necessarily available uh, anywhere to stream. It doesn't look like it from my
0: quick googling. Um, (laughs) googling. All right. My first small recommend is going to keep us in the animated realm. And it's a a movie that uh, many of you have already seen in theaters this year and will probably be a big recommend one day down the road. And that is Across the Spider-Verse, the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse. And I want to uh, tell you, first and foremost, this movie is awesome. I think everything I loved about the first one, is present in this one. Um, and I like some of the focus being on Gwen, at least at the start of the movie, uh, before we slide into the main adventure. This is now available to buy or rent digitally. And that's what I did. And... uh i have two major complaints even though i'm still giving this movie an aa plus somewhere around in there one would be a spoiler so i will talk with aaron about that privately some other time (laughs) um and one is just that it continues this resurging trend of part ones um and this doesn't call itself a part one but this is a cliffhanger ending i'll just go ahead and call it that i think there are people who will argue maybe aaron's one of them uh that it does a better job than something like dune i haven't seen dead reckoning part one so i can't speak to that just yet but when this movie ended i felt a little bit cheated in that lack of any resolution kind of way but i'm sure the next one will pay off if we ever get to see it they've already pushed it back um due to these strikes that we're enduring um that the writers and actors are enduring uh, but I loved it. I thought it was great. uh, I would give it two thumbs up. I just wish <sighs> I wish movies ended
1: i listen i you you're you're gonna get nothing but echoes from me um i I gave this movie the same review I gave dune part one, which is. Uh, I really loved the first half of this movie um, and I will let you know how I feel about the whole movie once I've seen the whole movie um because this is not just a, this is not just a cliffhanger it's not that it's a cliffhanger. it literally doesn't end the story we literally right. like this is building themes that have no resolution
0: in the in piece this that you, film. in no. this film you in, it, it has to have what comes next uh correct. Correct, And I, that, to me, doesn't make a complete film. Um,
1: um, and that is that is very different, uh, I believe, than Dead Reckoning, which ha- which completes its ideas. The idea, even different for me than um, Infinity War, because those movies complete their ideas. Yes, they depend on another movie for like a big picture it kind of way, but they have their own resolutions yeah, and ideas.
0: Infinity War has a resolution it's yes, not a exactly happy one but it resolves right. its story yeah
1: correct correct whereas this does not i really do not believe this resolves much of anything and no. it makes you leave the theater going okay i i enjoyed that i enjoyed i have other issues with with this movie um but i overall really really like it i like what they're doing and i think i like some of the things they're saying but again until I see the second half of the movie, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, and-
0: that's my spoiler big gripe that I can't talk about on the show is that everybody I've told this says, well, they're probably going to do X in the next movie mm-hmm. to. Resolve that for you. And I'm like, no, that will not resolve that for me. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, Yes. No, I'm totally with you. Totally with you on that. Um, And uh, a second small recommend. Did you manage to find another
1: one? Yes. Uh, I went to a professional disc golf uh, tournament. um, Oh,
0: wow. You mean heaven for you?
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, I went and saw a couple of rounds of the uh, Idlewild, the LWS Open in uh, Kentucky, just south of Cincinnati. So it's just across the border in uh, Burlington, Kentucky area. Um, I'm a big disc golf fan, and I guess I put this out there for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, sports fans who enjoy high competition of interesting sports. This is one of my favorites. If you find yourself watching like the dart championships or the, you know, uh, what's the one where they throw the the, the pouches into the cornhole championships cornhole or, or whatever kind of thing. This is kind of next level up, I think. It's kind of in that, that between ground of like the PGA and the cornhole championships. <laughs> like this is a legit sport that's been going on for a while. There's a legit tour that has a group of events called Elite Series Events. Where all the big pros play and they get points to play in the world championships, you know, at the end of the year. Uh, there are four majors. There are four major tournaments. This isn't one of the majors, but it is one of the elite series events. And so all the best disc golfers in the country were there. Um, I managed to have uh, media passes. Uh, and so I was able to follow nice. them uh, along behind them at every. You still say hole in disc golf. It's weird, though, because they're not technically holes. They're cages. Um, mm. But, the, you know, the does vocab- anybody
0: call them baskets or is that a no-no?
1: No, I mean, you can call them baskets, the, but it's interesting because the disc golf community has just kind of agreed we're just going to go with golf terminology, even though yeah. it's not accurate necessarily for what we do. Um so, but it's it's really beautiful to watch these guys play. I would highly recommend a specific website uh, if you want to get involved. A specific YouTube channel, I should say, if you kind of want to work your way into seeing if this is something you would enjoy watching. That YouTube channel is Jomez Pro. And Jomez Pro follows all the big tournaments, and they do coverage of the lead card of all the big uh, tournaments. So basically, it's an edited version uh, and shows every throw of everyone on the lead card for the entire uh, nine holes and eighteen holes. So they do two; they do a front nine and a back nine for every tournament and every day. Um, and that's a good way to kind of see if this is something that's interesting to you. But it was really cool to be there in person and just watch the absolute mastery that these human beings have over this sport. And I say, uh, humans because the, both the men and the women play, uh, the tournaments coincide, the women tee off first in the morning and then the men, uh, later. So like, it's a really, uh, fun thing where you get to see everybody playing hmm. this game. And, um, and it's also a real eye opener to know how much technique is involved that, uh, that whether it be the men or the women, they are throwing these things four, 500 feet. And it's just because they have the technique down and how to get these discs to spin and stay in the air. So it's, it's amazing.
0: You shared over the last couple of years, you've shared with us, um, some links for some of these tournaments you're watching. And I've mm-hmm. several times clicked through and watched, uh, because I'm a big golf fan and I play golf and, I found it pretty engrossing, and it's, mm-hmm. it's obviously a completely different physical action uh, being done, but it's one of the fastest-growing sports in the country. I even went and bought some discs and have played mm-hmm. a few times, and it's laughable how good these guys are. <laughs> yeah. Because you think, oh, I can throw a frisbee, and no, you can't. You're going to get eight over par every hole uh, <laughs> until you master what he's talking about—the technique. There's this little dance, backstep thing they do before they let go. Mm-hmm, the X step, of, of, yeah, yeah, of the—is that what they call it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, and I've tried that, and you definitely—you can tell—that's how you build more distance um well to get a little
1: nerdy for you the reason that builds more distance is because it allows you to get your body facing the other direction in a natural way and most of your distance is coming from the snap of your hips because it's not your arm Mm. strength your arm is basically a whip you're using your body to whip your arm uh, around and flick the disc um so it, it all comes from the hips so if you get your hips turned all the way around and then at the end just you know plant that dry foot and turn the hips. Like that's where you're going to get distance. It's
0: going to keep growing. I think because there are a lot of people who, who physically can't golf Mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons, but would be able to disc golf. Um, Like I have, I have a knee that one day is probably going to keep me from doing too much regular golf. I Mm -hmm. hope I'm in my sixties by then. Um, But I, I basically half tore, One of my acl mcl things and never went to a doctor i just started wearing a brace until it felt better so i know that knee is not right um don't do that ladies and gentlemen at home that is not how you treat medical issues um actually i'm pretty sure i didn't tear it
1: (laughs) there was a there's a uh, an interesting thing also that happens with watching these players where you're in that in between of those of them that are professionals and act like professionals And those of them that are professionals but kind of act like amateurs. So, like, Mm. there's a laid-back spirit to it that kind of can go either way where it's, like, fun and jokey and that kind of stuff. Or also just, like, complete happy Gilmore, like, yelling at the cage. Like, go to your – like, I literally saw somebody – throw a disc perfectly, hits the chains and it spits it out the front of the disc. That is not the the cage. That is not supposed to happen. Right. So he went and sat under a tree for like two minutes and just (laughs) sat there. And then when it was finally his turn, he got up, he grabbed his disc and he just, slammed it into the chains and he grabbed the cage by both like ends. And he was like, are you going to keep that one inside of you? Is that one going to stay inside? (laughs) That sounds
0: amazing.
1: I mean, awkward, but amazing. That that person had a, in their eyes, at least had one of the unluckiest rounds ever and ended the day at like four under, um, which is not terrible, but they actually ended up, Fifth place in the tournament. Uh, oh, wow, played really well the next two days or whatever. So, it
0: was wow, just one of well, those. It's like golf, maybe any sport. Some days you just don't have it. Some days yeah, it's just out there. yeah. It was a blast. I highly recommend it. I am glad that you had so much fun. I knew when you told us you were going to that, that that was going to be a utopian kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, is this heaven? No, it's Kentucky. Um, <laughs> uh, my second small recommend is I've only seen one episode, it's a brand new, very short show on Apple TV. Dauber, whatever they call it. And it's (laughs) called Strange Strange Planet. It's based on the Strange Planet comics that you might have seen on Twitter or on T-shirts. Turned those into a series of highly popular books. And what intrigued me about this uh, when I first heard, in addition to enjoying the comics, was that Dan Harmon is involved. Uh, And Dan Harmon is the community creator and Rick and Harmon, no, Rick and Harmon. (laughs) Rick and Mori creator. And so there's a level of pedigree there that suggests this is not going to be just a cheap, uh, you know, let's translate these comics into television. And so uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's like 23 minutes long. It feels like it's going to have different characters be the focus every week. This week, uh, the first episode, there's a stewardess. There's three members of a band and two fans of that band. And we keep jumping around to each of their stories in a very nonlinear way. And there's kind of a wholesome undertone. Uh, What makes the comics funny to me is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them, Aaron, but it's Mm -hmm. just inverted. It's just funny ways of looking at regular human stuff. So they call coffee jitter water. Uh, The stewardess's title is actually pleasure supervisor. Things like that. That's the main joke of the comics. But the show... It's funny when you first hear them call her a pleasure supervisor, but then the rest of the episode, that's just her job title. It actually starts going deeper than the surface comedy of the comics. So I'm very excited to check out the rest of it. But, uh, my wife was not entirely happy. I watched this without her. And that is why I've only seen one episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, there are three episodes out now. And then I believe the rest will come out weekly. It's on Apple TV Plus. Nice. Fun. Nice. All right this is uh time for the big recommend i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed this week's big recommend is a movie called never rarely sometimes always this is the second time that my wife has joined me in doing my homework for this uh podcast which is kind of a lovely experience Uh, we're going to do it again next week uh, because I snuck a peek at next week's big recommend and she's been wanting to see that as well and so a lot of my observations will be peppered with my wife's observations because she had some insight as well Cool. Um, I'm not a woman for one Um, so that is why don't we get into the movie before I just... <laughs> um, Autumn is our main character, played by Sidney Flanagan in her acting debut. And we meet her at a school talent show. Uh, she's performing a song. That sounds like she's been in, an, in or is in an unhealthy relationship. Uh, The lyrics are like, he makes me stay when I don't want to stay. He makes me go when I don't want to go. Things like this. Chorus is, he's got the power of love over me. It's an old Exciter song
1: from the 60s. And the the original, it's a cover of this song. And the original is very upbeat, doo-wop, like, and that's kind of this talent show is clearly like a doo-wop talent show, like a 50s, 60s themed you know, doo-wop thing or whatever. And she comes out and does a cover of the song. The song fits the era, but she does it in her own way, which I I just think is is really cool. I'll be
0: honest. I did not know that was a cover. I did not recognize that song. So maybe the lyrics are just circumstantial. She gets interrupted, by the way, uh, by a heckler in the audience who yells that she's a slut. Um... She composes herself, much to her credit, and finishes the song, which I think is a big middle finger to that guy. They go to dinner afterwards. Uh, Her cousin, we don't find out it's her cousin until later, but her cousin is there and her mother, sibling, and stepfather. Stepfather is an absolute asshole to her. And she gets up uh, and leaves. She throws water in the face of a boy in the restaurant uh who i think might have been the boy who yelled at her during the performance mm-hmm. yes i'm
1: not entirely yeah. sure and, and i think we're going um, to believe at least is somebody she's been in a relationship with and might possibly be the father like i think all those things are possibilities
0: i, I want to have conversations yeah. about that once we get through the synopsis and general thoughts but she throws water on this boy uh and then leaves and goes home by herself the next day she goes to a crisis pregnancy center Which is not really a Planned Parenthood clinic. It is a place that is, we will learn, designed to try and get her to carry the baby to term. She has to administer the pregnancy test herself. And she even says, is this from the supermarket? And the lady's like, yeah. And she had thought she was going to like a medical clinic. So the test looks positive and uh, she goes home. I have personal thoughts about this clinic, but I think I'm going to keep them to myself because we're talking about movies (laughs) here and the movie has its own thoughts about this clinic. And that's what we'll focus on. She then goes home and self pierces her nose in what is a clear attempt to take some measure of control back over her body. Uh, she's 17. Um, the script originally said she was 16, uh, but that changed during shooting. But as my wife kept saying through the movie, she's a baby. She's just a kid. She's so young. Then she goes to work. We see her working with her cousin Skylar. They are cashiers at a supermarket. The supermarket is called Men Suck. Weird branding choice by them. Uh. <laughs> there's a creepy old guy who hits on Skylar and tries to get her number and invite her to a party. He's like 50 years older than her. Uh, When they count their tills and hand their bags under the thing, their store manager kisses their hands, grabs their arms and holds them there and kisses them. It's really gross. But this is one of the messages of the film. As much as this movie is about this girl who wants to get an abortion and has to travel across the country to get it, it's about how men treat women. And that was very apparent this time through watching with my wife. And that's that's just one of the themes. We spend some uncomfortable moments at home with her in the family room where her stepfather awkwardly cuddles the dog, calls the dog a slut, which is to me a direct dig at the stepdaughter who was called a slut at the at the talent show. Autumn then takes NyQuil and goes to bed. That's a warning sign. Uh, but she doesn't feel good, so I, I understand. I'm not sure she measured it, though. You're not just supposed to sweep. It. Yeah, it's not What's a guzzle not? situation, shouldn't be. She goes back to the clinic and gets an ultrasound and is told she's about 10 weeks pregnant. This is important because it's wrong, but we won't find that out later. Then she's given a pretty heavy anti-abortion pitch uh, where they show her a video that is basically fire and brimstone, you know, designed to scare you into keeping your baby because it's a life. She goes home. Googles and finds out that in her state of Pennsylvania, a parent has to be there for an abortion. Um, she does not want to tell her stepmother even, or her mother or stepfather, even though I don't think she ever overtly says it. It's just apparent parent she's not going to tell them. Um, so she begins Googling um, for ways to self-inflict and cause an abortion, induce an abortion on her own, including what looks like excessive vitamin C pills. And then one of the hardest scenes to watch Uh, when she's punching herself in the stomach. It's very difficult, and there's a a coda to that later when we see the bruises. She then goes to work, and she's sick. Of course, she has taken all these pills and punched herself in the stomach all this. She ends up in the bathroom throwing up, and Skylar comes in, and she finally tells Skylar the truth about the fact that she's pregnant. And this is a, a moment, I think, that makes this movie one of my favorite, is that Skylar unconditionally immediately sets about to help her cousin fix this problem and doesn't waver. Uh, She steals cash from the till. There's a camera. They're not going to have those jobs when they come back. If anybody notices that money missing, Uh, but she doesn't care. They need the money to go get an abortion. They leave pre-dawn, get bus tickets to New York city. That's where they've Googled and learned that they can get this procedure done. Lo and behold on the bus. What do we have? A guy who's, Microaggressive and creepy and overly hitting on them. Not taking the hint that she doesn't really want to talk. She ends up to get into shut up, putting her number into his phone. I do not know why she doesn't use a fake number here, but thankfully she doesn't because she ends up needing this later. And uh, they get to New York City, and at the clinic she learns she's 18 weeks along, which is into the second trimester. Trimester, so she can't have the abortion procedure she thought she was going to have, she has to have a procedure that is a two day procedure. And she says, well, can we just do it all in one day? Um, And uh, they tell her, no, it has to be two days. I believe this is the scene where we get the title of the film and that she's asked a series of questions, never rarely, sometimes always. And it's questions like, has your partner ever forced you to have sex when you didn't want to? Has your partner ever been violent with you? And, It's some of the best acting I've seen in ages. And I just think this gal is a miracle. Um, And I don't know how she ended up in this role, but this scene is gut-wrenching because you can see all this pain on her face, but she still doesn't really say very much at all. Even the ones she says sometimes to, she really only says some, and then she breaks up. And there's a key moment in here where she's asked how many sexual partners she's had in the last 12 months, and she says two. I'm going to put a pin in that when we're we're done with this. We'll come back and talk about that. So they had not planned on staying overnight. This is a problem. Uh, So they end up riding the subway, basically, all night long, until a man starts touching himself while staring at them. And this movie just throws obstacle after obstacle in their path from from the way men treat them, but to literal obstacles, like you have to stay the night in New York City now. Later on, they run out of money and there's the getting onto the subway. They have to fare hop. They, it's a literal obstacle they have to go under or over. So they end up going down the street. They find an arcade. Uh, and there's a really nice moment at the arcade where Skylar is playing one of these dancing games. And she's just a happy kid again for a moment. And you can see on her face that she's just having a good time. And it doesn't last long, obviously. Outside the clinic, the next day, they encounter protesters singing religious chants and things. I think they're implied to be Catholic. I'm not really sure. I don't think it matters. She goes back and gets the other half of the procedure. I think it's uh, important to note how she's treated at this clinic versus the clinic in Pennsylvania because the New York clinic worker, uh, specifically the counselor, who is a real-life Planned Parenthood counselor that was met during researching for the film um, treats uh, Autumn with so much respect and love that she surely doesn't get enough of at home and uh, now they're out of money Uh, she uses all the money on the procedure which Skylar was not expecting (laughs) and they're stuck in New York City and they have one they have one little tiff where Skylar's like do you want me to call my mom she's like no do you want me to call your mom what do you want me to do? And Autumn says, fuck off. And it's pretty clear she doesn't mean fuck off. She means, I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm in this place. Leave me alone. Uh, and Skyler does. She walks away, um, sits a few chairs over and texts. And lo and behold, we find out she is texting the creepy guy from the bus because he's literally the only person they know here. Of course, he's a horny jerk. So he happily shows up and they end up doing some bowling. They do karaoke. And she eventually asks him for money and says, you know, we lost our tickets. We need some money to buy tickets. And he's like, okay, well, come with me to an ATM and I'll get you some money. And they leave Autumn behind. um, And after several minutes, Autumn gets curious and goes looking for them. And she doesn't find them. But when she comes back to the subway station or bus station, uh, I think it's a bus station. There's something I never noticed before in this movie until this viewing. She's dragging this suitcase as she's gone to look for Skylar. She comes back into the building and the up escalator broken. The down escalator was working, but she has to go up the stairs and lug this literal baggage. Right. Which is that suitcase became in this viewing, you know, a a metaphor a blinking red light for what she's going through, uh, what she's dragging around with her emotionally uh anyway uh she does find them and they are kissing and clearly skylar doesn't really want to be kissing this guy and autumn tenderly reaches around the column and grabs skylar's hand and holds it and that's basically it that we see them get on the bus and we see that the weight start to lift um and you know we know they're going to be able to be kids again Uh, at least for a while, and Autumn falls asleep before the buses even left the city. And uh, that is my initial synopsis review of uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Aaron, what were your thoughts this time through the film?
1: Uh, My first time through this movie, uh, I really, really loved it, and I had the same experience the second time through, and the same reasons uh, I, I had the experience all over again, which is the best movies create ultimate empathy. And I think the reason this movie works so well to create empathy for this character is because uh, Eliza Hitman, who's the director and hasn't really directed a ton else. I think she directed some television, some 13 Reasons Why, I think I saw in some other things. Um, But I think she makes a choice here to be almost cinema verite with how she's presenting what's going on. And that's usually a term used for documentaries. But in this case, it's a very observational narrative fiction. Yes, we the, yes. the camera is, in many ways, just an observer. It's not necessarily trying to inform in one way or another. The second choice that really elevates this is the choice to use completely unknown actors. So, you know, mm. the idea that it, it's very specific... Uh, casting is to find people who we don't have connections or ties to or yep. as is the case of the the woman in the clinic uh, actually is an actual person who does that job uh, in in their real life. So those two choices create an atmosphere in this movie that really allows you to sink into the reality of what's going on for this young woman. And that, I think, is extremely valuable. And what it allows us to do is it allows us to see the world from a perspective that is not our own. In this case, uh, a young female, which I am not, uh, to be able to, to see this through those eyes, to live this through those eyes. There, there are things that we learn and empathize that have to do with just being a woman in general um, that I think are really powerful mm-hmm. here. In uh, more specifically, being a young pregnant woman in a terrible situation, and um, and trying to figure out uh, what choice should be made, and and you know what they're going to do. So I find that extremely appealing. I think it's extremely well done, um, and you know I I just I find myself, of course, because you know me, uh, crying several times. You know through the movie. Uh, I think the movie is really good at. I, the movie has a point of view, but I never feel like the movie condemns anyone. Uh, the closest it gets is is possibly the crisis, you know, pregnancy center people. Right. But, and the but stepfather. even that, even that could have been more over the top and overt. Um, I I believe those For characters sure. are given even a modicum of. Uh, care like they you know it's just that they they prioritize something higher than loving this girl and what she's going through right like and that to me felt again very observational, it didn't feel uh overtly trying to uh paint the picture one way or another, even even the young man who is just looking to hook up or whatever and like it gives him a little bit of humanity, a little bit of. Something there that doesn't paint him as like villainous. We see his motivations as icky and gross, and certainly um, the movie is aware of that. But again, the observational style allows us to see it as authentic and human, and uh, those moments. So um, I really, yeah. I really like uh, how this movie is made and in what it's doing. So yeah, I think it's fabulous.
0: Even the music is almost non-existent i think to great effect because it just underscores that documentary feel uh Mm -hmm. that you're talking about um a little bit about uh a perspective i i gained this viewing that i had never had before and that is that the stepfather might be the one that impregnated her it's possible yeah and the director uh, i saw said she did very intentionally didn't want to tell you who the father was because she wanted to focus just on autumn's journey here and the obstacles in front of her. Um, But the way he dismisses her, even when he's in the other room and the way her looks at him before she goes to the clinic, she's putting on her boots. He's in the other room, smoking a cigarette, the way she kind of lingers looking at him if it wasn't sexual there's been at least emotional abuse in their relationship i feel pretty strongly that we saw some of it um but yeah i i applaud the movie for not necessarily being interested in telling us who the father is because that at that point it's it's not pertinent to this movie's story but if she's going back to this same town she's going back into that house and that's why, to me, the ending is bittersweet. Like, she finally got over all the obstacles for this thing. But she's going home to Obstacle City, USA. And you know, the next chapter of her life is not necessarily going to be awesome. She's dodged this crisis, but I worry about that character's future. Uh, but I had never had that perspective before. I always just assumed asshole stepfather, boy who gets water thrown on his face is the father of the baby. But I, I have doubts about that now no it's it's purposefully
1: vague and again purposefully observational in any interpretations are our own based on the information that the movie is purposefully giving us yeah. uh so yeah i i agree I think um, my wife that said a possibility
0: stuck with me was imagine being 17 years old and taking the bus to new york city by yourself mm-hmm. like For sure, for sure, there are people that could do it, but small town, rural supermarket cashier girls, Mm -hmm. like they're really heroic how they get through this whole ordeal and keep finding ways to defeat the next obstacle. Uh, I don't feel like 17 year old me would have had. I mean, there was desperation in their act, but I don't think I would have had the confidence um, or the street smarts it's it's, like, oh, it's
1: again the the empathy machine here is so beautiful because i uh, i am vastly aware of the privilege of my growing up in the circumstances i i know not what it feels like to have uh parents who are unobservant or even you know terrible to me or abusive to me or like um, right. So I think of 17-year-old me in my world, if I had an issue, I'd go to my parents or I could go to right. like, I had like I had adults who I knew cared for me and right. would want the best for me and would love me no matter what, you know, I, I did or decided to like, I had a very supportive world. So 17-year-old me was naive. Well, I mean, you could argue that, you know, 48-year-old me is naive as well. But, you know, like there's there's a naivete, the privilege allows for for you to have and an optimism that privilege allows for you to have that i just you know that's why i value movies like this so much is because i get to uh get to exist in that empathy for a world that was not mine and um and i don't i don't know how this person would handle that situation but i now am able to at least observationally Um, experience that, that handling through somebody else. Uh, so
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I never doubted that my mom and dad loved me. I know how fortunate I am for that to be the case. If I had somehow gotten somebody pregnant at her age, I would have, I would have hated the conversation, but I would have gone right to my parents and said, I got to tell you, I screwed up really bad because that was a support system. Her support system is Skylar. It's almost literally the only support system she has. Imagine if Skylar's not around in this girl's life. What does she do? Does she go by herself? Ah man. I don't know. Anyway, uh, there was one unexpected laugh out loud for me. (laughs) That's on the bus when the, the creepy boy says, the thing about New York is, the way it's laid out, you're kind of forced to talk to people you wouldn't normally interact with that she goes kind of like this bus <laughs> almost lost but, it but the but the again the
1: the empathy it gives for that that young man is he he gets it like he like he sees what she's doing and says oh that's funny like you know yeah like it doesn't make him oblivious to it it doesn't make right. you know there's the movie is just so sensitive towards humanity just you know yeah. in, in all yeah. the the aspects of it which i think is 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 really powerful um I did feel like the only time the movie drags for me is the bowling alley karaoke part. Um, mm. And I, I think it's because uh, I'm, I'm not sure the movie needs it to do all the things it does with that character. I don't, I don't know that we need that extra time with him uh, to understand the, uh, the importance of the handholding at the end, and which I, mm. I, think, I think that's the heart of the movie to me. Is her, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, surreptitiously reaching around and holding her hand as as she's prostituting herself. I mean, it's not sex, but she is she is we don't get at least the idea that this is something she wants. Right. And I think the movie is drawing a comparison. I wouldn't say the movie is is really saying, boy, autumn is gung ho about getting an abortion. Like, you know, it's not like something she wants, but to have somebody to hold your hand through the mess and the pain of real life and choices that you never wanted to have to make. She, she Skylar never wanted to have to choose to make out with some random guy to get them money to get home. That was never a choice she had to make, but it was a choice she made. And to have somebody there to hold her hand during that choice, I think is this beautiful symmetry that, the, you know, what they can be, you know, for each other is just a, just a human support. And the call for all of us to be that person who holds somebody else's hand, no matter what they're choosing, to love them unconditionally. Like I just, I think mm-hmm. that's really, really important.
0: Yep, I agree. I, uh, I'm out of notes. Do you have anything else? I you would mention add that I move? felt like
1: this movie uh, kind of got snubbed during award season. Now you, you can, you can say that. I don't yeah. think it had any Oscar noms. Um, and there's only so many slots, you know, to to go with. Uh, I think we, the Critics' Choice, I should say, uh, of, whom, of which I'm a member, gave it three awards. And the one that I think it was snubbed for the most is Sidney Flanagan. I think this performance mm-hmm. is insanely good, especially for somebody who hasn't really acted before. Um, that never, never, rarely, sometimes, always seen. She is incredible in that scene. And it brings home everything about this movie.
0: I think a, I think a more prominent actor would, be too in their head for that scene i think there's something about her inexperience that allows her to play that scene she doesn't know any better than to just be subtle but there's so much passing across her mm-hmm. face in that scene we got done watching it it's my favorite thing to do when i tell somebody to watch this movie and i turned to my wife and i said okay my favorite thing about that movie you just watched that girl had never acted before and my wife yeah. didn't believe it she was like that's on a- That's unbelievable. So, yeah, I think that's worth uh, pointing out. I looked on her IMDb, and it looks like she's been in a couple other things since this, uh, but nothing that has come across my radar.
1: So, yeah, we nominated her for Best uh, Actress, and we nominated uh, Talia Ryder, I believe, is uh, Skyler. We we nominated her for Best Young uh, Actor, Actress uh, that year as well. And I think it it got a Best Screenplay nom from uh, us as well. But, yeah, it didn't really get any Oscar- buzz at all like the oscars completely shut it out so uh, which surprises me yeah
0: it's like they didn't see it almost like the menu <laughs> <laughs> almost almost uh all right uh at this point in the show we like to do the super secret double feature aaron i'm kind of curious to see what you got going on here What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? A
1: dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone? <laughs> yeah, man, I, w- I, I really thought about this. Uh, you know, my, my first instinct was to think about other, uh, abortion movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that deal with the topic I decided everyone that I came up with, I was like, yeah, but that just doesn't, that doesn't feel the same. That doesn't like, you know, feel like a perfect double feature here. I think I landed on the style of the movie, kind of the, the, let the camera do all the observing. I'll tell you what I almost went with, but it's just, it's too hard of a double feature so i didn't want to encourage anybody ever to do it i almost went with united 93 oh, wow. because it, it has that same idea of just letting the the camera just observe everything that's going on it uses actual people doing their actual jobs as some of the almost actors no recognizable
0: like, actors in that movie yeah no
1: recognizable actors so there were a lot of common threads but uh eventually I didn't want to go that way. I eventually went with, uh, as the double feature, um, Sound of Metal uh, is what I decided to go with. And the reason is I think we're dealing again with a really good empathy movie here for somebody who is dealing, in this case, with hearing loss. And it is very observational, uh, the way this movie captures the journey uh of what he is going through of what the riz Ahmed character is going through here there also is a literal journey to uh you know somebody to help um he is also finds himself very alone from the people he thought you know were in his life Mm. and having to find other people to to help him out uh so even though topically it's very different i think um Spiritually, it feels very similar uh, to uh, Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. So I went with Sound of Metal for the Interesting. This is a feature
0: that hits so close to home, I have yet to watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know that it's great because I've had a lot of people tell me that it is, but I'm so scared I'm going to go on this journey myself that I haven't mm-hmm. watched this movie yet. I, I plan to, um, but uh, from everything I've been told, uh, and read about it, um, and what you just said. I think that sounds like a nice, uh, a nice companion piece. All yeah. right. Uh, what about next week's homework, uh, Aaron? What are we watching next week? Uh, I, you know, I want to say we're going a little
1: lighter. Not that there's not some depth here, but it's definitely funny. I figure with the moment that uh, Greta Gerwig is deservedly having uh, mm-hmm. right now, uh, mm-hmm. we go back and revisit Lady Bird. It's been six mm. years. Since Lady Bird came out, it seems like it shouldn't have been that long ago, uh, but it has. And I'm excited to go back and watch it again. I remember absolutely loving this movie. And uh, this is the movie where I really fell in love with Greta Gerwig as a director. Um, just a very unique sense of the world and a unique sense of humor, which you're seeing both here and in Barbie as well. Although Barbie is more of a straight-up comedy, uh, this, is, this is definitely more of a dramedy um but there's a lot of lot of humor in this movie uh, yeah there well. is so what's
0: what's funny is um i watched this movie 2 weeks ago oh, um <laughs> nice. it's just it was just on i'm going to watch it again for the pod uh but i i that day i said to my wife have you ever seen lady bird and she said no but it's on my list and i was like it was on this morning i think you would really like it and so with uh, the great success I had showing her, never, rarely, sometimes, always, uh, she will be joining me on my homework watch of Lady Bird. Uh, but I can confirm, as uh, someone who has seen it recently, it is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I am excited to put on uh, a little bit um, more insightful hat to watch it, mm-hmm. hopefully, sure. instead of just casually watching it. Uh, now, this movie is not on a streaming service that I can find right now um but if you have a premium subscription um where one of those where they match it up with movie channels um you can watch it because that's how i saw it it's on showtime or hbo i don't i just was looking a second ago i couldn't find it on the guy usually the showtime stuff is on uh peacock now um or no
1: paramount i'm sorry paramount plus now and the hbo stuff is usually on max but not always there are some exceptions
0: well uh try and find it it's a delight and uh, i can't wait to talk to you guys and aaron about it next week um all right we have just a little bit of time left here for a couple questions question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening i will just
1: i will just confirm my quick search says you can watch it on paramount plus uh so nice um but again until you go to do it sometimes those streamers man they just they take stuff off and they uh they put it back on
0: yeah they, and they don't necessarily advertise but uh the chat is saying it's on Showtime Paramount and Tubo okay and then also on Canopy which i believe is the library sub things streaming yeah mm-hmm. um so there you go even even never merely sometimes always we watched on Peacock with commercials and it wasn't a problem for yep. me it just gave me time to write more notes <laughs> um all right so uh, without lying this is tricky i'm already out Uh, (laughs) can you convince me to watch your least favorite movie
1: uh my answer is no (laughs) <laughs> uh, my my answer is your free will is too strong for any argument I could give you to watch uh, the last Airbender.
0: That's a very errant answer. I, uh, <laughs> I should have expected that answer. Uh,
1: if I were to try to convince you to watch the last Airbender, um, it would be by saying that there are uh, that in order to watch the last Airbender, your best bet is to watch all of the original series. So it would become a recommendation for the original series. And then you would know why I hate that movie so much. Uh, but also, it's got a great score, and there's some cool uh, moments in it. But uh, but yeah, watch the original uh, series to be ready for that.
0: I don't know if I have a least favorite movie. Um, there's been plenty of bad ones. But um, notoriously, I hated Pete's Dragon, the original Disney animated, mm-hmm. when we went through that to make a video for it. And... I believe if you didn't know anything about that movie, which is awful, um, I don't care what childhood (laughs) says. um, I used to love
1: that movie, man.
0: If you didn't know anything about it, I would tell you it's one of classic Disney's first attempts to blend live action with animation more than a decade before Roger Rabbit. Uh, And I feel like that would at least pique your interest. Um, You might get 10 minutes in and go, what the hell is he talking about? Um, But uh, I think that historical angle is where I would come at yep. this one. Um, let's see what the chat says. Uh, well, they hate a Napoleon Dynamite, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was not expecting that. Um, watch Battlefield Earth because, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do another question. What is a movie with an opening scene that you love? But that the rest of the movie doesn't hold up to that scene for you.
1: I think uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I think that has a a great opening scene. Um, And then the rest of the movie doesn't quite work for me. Although I do need to revisit the movie. I just remember watching it the first time and really being in for like the first half hour. And
0: you mean like that warehouse thing where he's, yeah, I think that's a quality scene. And there's a lot of classic Spielberg stuff happening Mm -hmm. in that scene um <clears throat> yeah i haven't seen that movie
1: i haven't either i i owe it a rewatch because i wonder if it if it is if it will improve for me
0: i don't think i'm gonna go that far i don't <laughs> think i owe it anything uh but i may uh think differently if i watch it again uh, my answer to this question is not a movie i dislike uh but it's ryan gosling and drive um which is a very mood heavy movie but the opening 20 minutes uh Shows it's almost no dialogue and shows him, uh, basically helping complete a heist, uh, in LA. Uh, And the way that he resolves this chase is awesome. Uh, and I was like, yeah. And then the movie gets well, it just goes places I wasn't expecting and gets a little lingering and moody, and then it gets really violent. Um, and I don't think any of that makes it a bad movie, but that that feeling I had the first 20 minutes didn't stay the rest of the movie. That first 20 minutes, I was like, holy shit, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know if that just ruined Drive for you, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Saving Private Ryan. Interesting. Uh, I could see that. It's this opening scene is on-timer. Um, Fast X? Uh, Revenge of the Sith. How does that movie open? oh they take on is that the one where they take on the uh, dooku in the space mm. battle and land on his bridge and kill him i think it is um polly agrees with me about drive six underground boy i, I erased my, <laughs> from my memory i i unfortunately I had to, a lot of
1: fun with that movie
0: I, I don't know i must have been
1: in a great mood that night or something but
0: must have been Oh, man. Uh, Baby Driver is another one. That's, good.
1: That's a terrible That's good. answer. Baby Driver is great all the way through. Come on. What are we doing here?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, uh, let's end on that note. Um <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to the live chatters, viewers, and listeners uh, for coming and weighing in uh, and keeping us on our toes. Next week's homework is Ladybird, which you can watch on Paramount Plus and a number of other places, apparently Canopy. And uh, that's going to do it for episode 79 of Wreckatopia. For Aaron Dicer, this is Jerry Scott. We'll see, see you guys. next time. Bye. part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinemasins, and email any comments or questions to rekatopia at cinemasins.com. that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinemasins.com.
1: Language isn't defined by ownership, right? And Hmm. so, like, there's this idea of somebody could, you know, buy rights to, I don't know, this is a weird one to say, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, a hamburger and start calling it a flubidly do or whatever. And it's like, I'm still going to call it a hamburger. Like, it's, you know, because that's how language works. That's going to best communicate to someone else
0: what I'm talking about. Unless or until the general populace, Majority starts calling it a flingledoogle or whatever.
1: Right. Yes. Right. Because clear communication is the goal. And clear communication is still it's it's Twitter. It's just Twitter. It's you know, that's that's yeah. what it, that's what it is. That's what I'll call it until it's not called that.
0: I did see some person post. I don't know if this is true or still the case, but they tried to change their username, like the display name, to to Twitter something, mm-hmm. and like there was a message that said cannot contain Twitter, like. He had gone and hard-coded the inability to change display name to Twitter. It's just anything that makes him angry is okay by me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's always hard to, to conjecture about what is going to work or what isn't. And certainly there are types of outside-of-the-box thinking that can push technology and philosophy and all sorts of different things into interesting areas. It doesn't make that person any kind of worthwhile you know, human or God or whatever, you know? like Right, it's, right. So, but that's our tendency. That's our tendency is to put people on pedestals and go, oh, my goodness, this genius person.
0: Plenty of people are doing it. Yeah, so. It's with him and others. Yeah. Um, how big their dick is. Um,
1: or whether or not they have one. <laughs>
0: if they ever do fight, like, I can't think of a sporting event where I want both parties to lose that I've ever experienced before. But I would... <laughs> I wouldn't watch, but I would hope they both pummel each other, and, and maybe it's a draw. And uh, the
1: double knockout.
0: <laughs> yeah, like from one that Rocky movie. Yeah, you know, where nobody wins, and then now what do you do?
1: Well, whatever the case, uh, I was walking the other night, uh, just a few nights ago, and I look up in the sky and just freaked out. Like I was like, I don't know how to define this phenomenon that I'm seeing, and it was just like oh. twenty lights in a row. It looked like they were really close together, moving through the sky. Like my first thought is airplane, but that's that is not an airplane, and it's certainly not twenty airplanes. You know, following that directly and that closely. Um, it's not a shooting star; it's moving too slowly for that. And also, it's like again several lights. And so I'm just I'm trying to figure. Drones was the best guess I could come up with. Like you know, because I've seen those drone shows where they'll uh, program drones to create shapes, and that, that's what it kind of looked like, but it turns out it was a SpaceX thing. It's the satellite, the Skylink Starlink. satellites, or yeah. Starlink, yeah, satellites. Those
0: things are becoming a problem for actual astronomers uh, because they, they put too much light in the sky and mm. keeping them from uh, viewing what they need to. And he just turned them off in Ukraine when he wanted to during the war, which is another i'm not sure he should have that much control over them but from a general standpoint those things are a miracle right so like in theory they could bring you know high speed internet to everywhere third world countries yeah Yeah. and and so again you know everybody's gray nobody's black or white braised oxtail